and welcome to This Just Is. My name is Ian, and I hope that all is going well for you. What an absolutely crazy time we are experiencing. How deep does the rabbit hole go? I mean, I guess we're all going to find out. I've been working my hardest to realize that things are in some sort of strange, inexplicable divine order. I am doing my best to let go a little bit, maybe ingest a little less news, a little less social media, and make time for me and my family. I found it to be cathartic and useful. So if you're feeling stressed or a little listless, maybe unplugging a bit would be a helpful option for you. Things are definitely going to ramp up a lot in the next few months, and I think it's going to be very easy for people to just overload on all this stuff, even more than they have already. So please take it easy as best you can. Limit your time on the phone, tablet, TV, whatever. Maybe try to go for a safe, socially distanced walk in nature and take some time for yourself. You'll feel better. Trust me, I am not a doctor. Our guest today is the incredibly talented musician, lyricist, and author Keith Buckley. Keith is best known as the lead singer of the legendary metalcore band Every Time I Die. Few people that I've encountered have the raw power, emotion, stage presence, and the scream that this person has. And that's not even mentioning his poetic storytelling. His approach is wholly unique, and I just can't get enough of it. Regardless of if you like this particular type of music that Keith's band plays, his talent and ability is just undeniable. Set against this raw, powerful, emotive type of music is a raw, powerful, and emotive human being. Keith is always upfront and honest about anything going on in his life. He's so very easy to talk to, so open about anything he's struggling with, and so willing to dive in. There is no front. You fully understand who he is when you interact with him. We talk about everything from his struggles with alcohol, his hometown of Buffalo, New York, mortality, bird watching, people pleasing, and the current disconcerting political climate. It was a great discussion, and I hope you enjoy it. Here he is, Keith Buckley. And away we go. Here we go. How have you been through all of this? Um, it got pretty, pretty dark for a little bit. Uh, um, I, I was, uh, I luckily today I'm on day, uh, 17 of, of no drinking, but, um, I was on day 60 of heavy drinking before that. So, uh, um, I, it just kind of got a little out of control because there's no, you know, when you're not on tour, um, uh, you, you feel pretty purposeless. Um, so there's just really no reason not to, and that's a bad way to get into it. You know, I kind of needed some structure, which I wasn't really getting. So, um, I had to impose some on myself. Yeah. And what, what did that structure look like? Was that structure simply not imbibing or did you start to regiment a little bit more the way you would on tour? Like kind of giving yourself milestones. All right. At this, you know, around this time I play with my daughter or this time I do this. Yeah. And then at night I, we make dinner together, like that type of stuff. Yes. That's how it started. So it was like, well, all right, it's, you know, five o'clock dinner's made. I'll settle down now and have a drink. And then, um, uh, it went late into the night one night. Uh, and then it was the next day I woke up and I just felt like shit. And I was like, well, I need a little, you know, hair of the dog. And then yeah. like, I just kept doing that. And then it would start earlier and earlier. So, uh, yeah, it got pretty bad. Um, but then I just, I, I couldn't do it anymore. Like I was, you know, losing hours of the day and obviously I got a kid. So I, you know, I feel like at night if, you know, when she was needing something at night, I just, you know, I was, uh, it was difficult to drag me out of bed to attend to it. So mm -hmm. couldn't do that anymore. And it was just completely selfish of me to even think that I could, um, because well, you know, everyone needs to relax and stuff. It's not, uh, there's other people that still might require your, uh, you know, your faculties. So Heavy. Yeah, I've uh, I've had my experiences like you where I've been drinking too much and you need to spring into action as a parent and you're not optimized and that's not a good yeah. feeling. You kind of feel very, no. you feel really shitty about it and guilty after that. And I've had that experience and sort of made a promise to myself that I wouldn't do it again. And I haven't, but, uh, you know, alcohol, yeah. alcohol is an interesting drug. Um, as, cause I've, I've had a lot, I have a lot of experience with it Yeah, and yeah. I have a very odd relationship with it. Um, I love it, but I also realize that there's a lot of danger associated with me loving it so much. 
I, I like I like the actual craft of like making spirits. And we've talked about this. Like I like yeah. I like the actual like artisan craft work of like how people are able to make like spirits and age them and using barrels and what goes into that. So that part of it I really like. The other part of it I find is the dangerous part of it is that it's very easy to tip over into being out of control or not having your your faculties. And I've Absolutely. had to learn that lesson. I think, you know, well over a hundred times probably in my life of like, this stuff is way more powerful than most other things. Right. Uh, Most other drugs, you know, you smoke a couple joints and you get really high or, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously some of the harder drugs can be pretty destructive, but alcohol I think is just as destructive as any other abused drug. And, uh, and it's weird that it has this it's like holds hands with our society. A lot of Western society, it's just holding hands the whole time. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and you're almost like, yeah, have a beer, you know? Yeah. Have a right. drink, have a drink, calm down, have a drink, relax, have a drink. Everything's associated, right. have a nice meal, have a drink. Everything is associated with that. And it's like yeah. the, the best marketed drug ever really oh, in the I history t- of man. I totally agree. And it wasn't really until I stopped that I started realizing like how ubiquitous it was, uh, you know, just even in, in media. I mean, you know, there was one of the first times I stopped and, and realized that a, a commercial was fucking absurd was when it was like that wrestler Batista and he's like sitting around with all these other people and they're like meditating while drinking vodka. And I'm like, this is, that's you not can't how it do this. No, this that's not how it yeah, goes. These do not, yeah, yeah. These, these two things do not coexist simultaneously. Uh, and it just seems so ridiculous to me because yeah, it's so normalized that you don't even realize how, um, insidious it is. It's just, it sneaks up on you. And that was the thing too. It was like, well, okay, I started at five o'clock, but you know, um, maybe today I could start a little bit earlier and then a little bit earlier and then a little bit earlier. And it was just, it had just become so out of control that, um, and I, I mean, I was like, I just thought that I was, I was drinking because the days were so fucking long and like, so boring i guess mm-hmm. like the routine is something i'm not used to from being on tour so it, just the constant repetition of things was starting to get really grueling and then when i started to realize that the, that it was the drinking that was making them grueling yeah. it was because i was trying to fight the drunkenness to get through the day and get through my responsibilities and now that i've stopped i, I feel like i simultaneously i uh, simultaneously have like way more time to do things but the, the days go by so much faster so i don't know it's a it's You're a more it's a strange more productive new, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you, do you see? Fuller. Do you see this as as you just taking a break with alcohol, or do you think you've come to some sort of realization that maybe you need to completely reassess your relationship with it and and potentially not yeah. not drink anymore? Yeah, I definitely think I've 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 come to that conclusion. I mean, I'm 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 not uh, I'm not intending to to do this perfectly, um, but I can definitely say uh, fully that I I value the clarity. And, um, you know, the, the alertness and the response time so much more than any sort of like buzz late at night while I'm watching VH1 reruns, you know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't really, doesn't really do it for me. Um, so and yeah, I, have, but it's different, it's different. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I, I was saying like, um, have you found that your creative productivity is better? Do you, did you, did you use, uh, you know, cause I, I, I know, and I've read articles about like how you write lyrics and, and that you would get very drunk and write lyrics a lot of the time, right? Or you yeah. drink and it would help to kind of, and a lot of great authors and poets and everyone have, have, you know, extolled the virtues of having quite a bit to drink and then putting your, trying to get your thoughts down on, on a page. Yeah. Um, yeah, it it definitely um, sort of loosened me up and sort of brought some of the, the gates down to to access that part of of consciousness, you know, to where I felt comfortable writing. But at the same time, it was also like um, providing this plausible deniability that I I started to realize was just uh, like an extension of cowardice of like, well, if I say that I'm drunk when I wrote this, then I can't really I don't have to be responsible for it because I always have this safety net of like, oh, I don't know. So that didn't really, you know, so that none of the output, the creative output was any sort of signature thing that I would actually be proud of or want to take responsibility for. It was almost like saying going into it, I'm going to want to be able to deny that this <laughs> means what people think it means, mm-hmm. which is a terrible way to go into writing. That's never, you know, that that's why there's, you know, it lacks a, a personal t- a touch. And um, so to be responsible for it and to, to walk into it voluntarily um with a level head and and say okay this is what i've come across and this is what i feel needs to be written in the way that i feel i can write about it 
um, is just infinitely more rewarding. So, um, yeah, I, I haven't, even when I was drinking, um, when we were doing the album, I didn't really drink much while I was writing. I yeah. just feel like it's, it's a better place. Even if the writing's not as fun, it's definitely a lot more personal and you know, meaningful. Do you feel like uh, living and growing up and being a part of a community like a pla- in a place like Buffalo, I mean, this is maybe an obvious question, but I, I, it probably lends itself to some, you know, it's like living yeah. in, in one of the Nordic countries. I mean, it, it's pretty, it could get pretty bleak there. And also, yeah. and, and you can speak more to this if you like, but like, you know, it's one of America's like forgotten cities. And so it's, it's kind Absolutely. of, it's gotten just devastated and people are in a rough way. And I assume with everything that's gone on, you know, it's a very sort of working class city. Probably a lot of people have lost their jobs and, and are, are, you know, in a bad way. And I think that, that yeah. Bu- Buffalo as a city probably has, you know, your, your situation is not un- unique anywhere, but Buffalo is probably a place where it's, it's somewhat yeah. prevalent. Yeah, it's been, you know, Buffalo just has this looming um, uh, inferiority complex, uh, you know, the deindustrialization that happened. I mean, Buffalo at one point had the, the most uh, millionaires, you know, per mm-hmm. uh, whatever acre out, yeah. out here. So, um, uh, but, you know, then the, the, the they stopped using Buffalo to um, to move goods through the Erie Canal. Um so that sort of deindustrialized a lot of it, and then we had the Bethlehem Steel plant, which was you know huge in the country. That that we lost that, then it burned down, and it just all this loss. Buffalo is just sort of synonymous with loss. So the super, the four Super Bowls in a row, you know, the Stanley yes, Cup. The Saber, yeah, just, the Sabers haven't been good in I don't know thirty five yeah, years no, or something. Yeah. yeah. So we 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 kind of um, it, it just seems like it's a very um, accepted. Uh, sort of response to just drink all the time, just <laughs> eat like shit and, <laughs> and sort of like wallow in it. Um, but uh, it's one of those things where, you know, the winters get so depressing and, and bleak, like you said, that I, and, and I think that that makes a lot of people turn to alcohol and, and turn to other things that just sort of provide them this escapism. Um, but also looking at it like maybe it's bleak because so many people are drinking yeah, you know what yeah. I mean like it's you, I mean, you really tend to confuse the cause and effect with things like that so. yeah I mean you know there, there's if you look at like a lot of the Nordic countries and um I'm like super obsessed with buying and getting a sauna in my house I just want a sauna oh, yeah. really bad I just yeah, love yeah. the <laughs> idea of like sitting in a hot box and sweating uh, shit out and like yeah. there's like a spiritual part of it too I think it's very cleansing and, Absolutely. um, you know, if you look at those countries, they sort of celebrate the, the winter seemingly in like a healthy way. And I think in a lot mm-hmm. of places in America, they celebrate the winter and they go outside, they'll go ice fishing, they'll go snowmobiling, you know, uh, skiing, etc. But like, there's also an unhealthy end of it as well of like, well, it's the winter, you pack on, you put your layers on and yeah. you eat like shit and you drink a ton. And yeah. there doesn't seem to be like a lot of healthy celebration in our country, especially, whereas in, in like, you know, the Nordic countries and like the Baltic states are like, they're in the sauna, like all day. Yeah. They're going yeah. and swimming in cold water and, you know, trying to, you know, I mean, they do their fair share of drinking, I'm sure, but there yeah, seems to course. be more of a focus on like health and well-being, and our new, our, our sort of new society is more just like excess and sort of yeah. fun toys, well, you know? I mean, I, it might be a stretch to say this, but maybe not. I think that the the comparison there uh, has a lot to do with um, their view of, of death and our, and our view of death in, yeah. in the Western culture. And I, I mean, I just feel like we're so afraid of it and we just, you know, it's so taboo that we can't accept loss as part of the process of life, you know? Yeah. Um, so every winter, you know, people act like they're dead. They act like everything's dead to them and they... <laughs> can't really cope with it you know that the just the, even the loss of of sun the loss of the the sounds of birds things like that that usually sort of revitalize them when you're too busy denying um or mourning you know you don't realize it's just a part of the process and then it's like it's like a goldfish like going back and forth on the, you know to the size of its tank it's like it, it forgets that it's gonna come back again you know mm-hmm. what i mean so the people here just we've never dealt with loss and i i mean i mean that in america but especially with buffalo i mean the the Super Bowl it haunts us, you know. Those Super Bowl losses haunt us, and they are they're embedded in in the DNA of, of Buffalo. But yeah, I just don't think we have a very uh, healthy relationship with with death and loss, and I think that that causes us to uh, respond in some very uh, psycho ways. Yeah, it's it's um, 
I, you know, I don't just want to do bad. I, I hope we're not, people aren't thinking we're bashing Buffalo. I actually think Buffalo is a pretty rad no. place. It's yeah, a, it's, it's a pretty awesome it's... salt of the earth type people, but it's, it's a tough place to live. But w- yeah. one of the things you touched on, and this was something that I wanted to discuss with you just based on listening to your music and, and looking through a lot of your lyrics is that mortality is like a big part of who you yeah. are and what you talk about or seemingly what you write about. And, yeah. and, um, and I don't know if you could just sort of elaborate more on that, but um, you know, I have found that like thinking a lot about your mortality is a healthy thing. I think people suppress mm-hmm. the fact that they're going to die. When, when am I going to die? How am I going to die? Um, is it going to hurt? Is it, you know, and I, I think that, um, some people just suppress that all and yeah, it leads to a lot of denial. And I think, per, I think that accepting your mortality and celebrating being alive, um, or trying your best to do so is like a really healthy uh, experience, but it's not an easy thing to do. And right. I, and so I almost wonder if, um, you know, your exploration of that is, is, is partly through your music, but is that something that you bring into your sort of everyday yeah. life of this exploration of your mortality? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that it's kind of, um, important, especially in, in the music scene that we're in, that's so, um, uh, you know, the, the live aspect of it, um, there, there's so much shared energy and it, it's very intimate and it's not like a, a typical concert that you'd see. I mean, there's, you know, no barricades or seats or anything and people are kind of climbing all over each other. So mm-hmm. it really is, you know, a celebration of, of life and, and getting into that um, mode of celebration and appreciation. You can't, you can't ignore that it's going to end. And I think that, uh, instead of seeing that as uh, just a fucking total bum out, I mean, I think it actually, if you keep that in mind, it just causes you to be more thankful for the, the, the moments that you have. So I, I didn't really intend to go into a band and just sort of focus on death, but it's the, the more I've lived, the more I've sort of um, come to terms with it. And I do feel like it's something that should be celebrated as a, as a part of, of everything integral to, to living. So, um, and plus it's just fucking fascinating. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the greatest question of, you know, everyone that has ever lived on this earth before us has died and no one knows what it's like, you know, I mean, it's, it's just insane. Yeah. It's insane. Uh, so just that, uh, that miracle alone just fascinates me all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely think I have a healthy relationship with it. I mean, I don't want to, you know, you, you don't want to lose the things you care about, but um, you're going to, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you got to got to keep that in mind. Yeah. I always say that uh, we're renting everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People absolutely. are people are very into ownership. I own this house. I own this car. Yeah. This is my watch. Yeah. These are my right. belong. It's like this is my body. It's like, it's, you're on rent. It's a rent. It's a lease. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and so you better understand that. Yeah. I think that the more you <laughs> realize that, receipt. the more like, you know, I've gotten into arguments with my father and stuff about, you know, I've worked hard and I've built the wealth and I've done, and I'm mm. like, all right, but okay. Yeah. But where, right. <laughs> where right. you're, you're renting those dollars. They're going, exactly. you, can't, you can't bring anything with you. You know, and that's what blows my mind today yeah. is just I mean, in, in the, the political climate of, of people hoarding wealth and not caring about climate change, like where you can't spend money in hell. You know, no. it's just it, yeah. it's, it's so stupid that the people aren't realizing this. Yeah. And, and and I think that I think that a lot of people have this idea of like, you know, this is the this is the world and it's dog eat dog. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you you know, it's 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 the it's the the predator and the prey. And so I'm just going to get everything and, and, and hoard yeah. all these resources. And it's like, well, you know, you can't celebrate anything on a dead planet, you know, right. we're just all going right. to fucking die. And then, then what do you have? You, you know, when you get to the yeah. afterlife, whatever it is, you get to go, well, I had the most McLarens. Yeah. So right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like that. Know, I don't see like that here. VIP you know? room. Yeah. yeah. It's like there's some <laughs> VIP room in heaven that you yeah, get to hang like, out with. Yeah. Jeff yeah. Bezos and Warren yeah. Buffett <laughs> and they're all in there just talking about how great it was. Yeah, but I don't. I doubt that's what it is. Um, Me too. You know, I hope it's not. but one of the things that I set out, I think it was like my first episode. I've only done I don't know six or seven of them, but it was talking mm-hmm. about no one can tell you with any certainty why we're here and what we're doing, mm-hmm. what this thing is. You know, yeah. once you start diving down like the rabbit hole of like you know theoretical physics and science mm-hmm. and seeing patterns and numbers, it's just it's yeah. very overwhelming. And that, that mortality is like, obviously, you know, everyone says from death, you know, comes life, et cetera. But like, you really can't 
think about death without thinking about life and it, it just sort of is snake eating its tail type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting when, you know, people like I have no problem talking about my own mortality, but I would never want to talk about the mortality of people that I love and care about. Like that oh, to me is so, like yeah. so much more painful. Like I had a therapist ask me once about like, what if the worst happened to your family? And I was just like, I do not even want to like right. talk about that. We're, we're not talking about this. I won't yeah. even go into that. And maybe in hindsight, it would have been an interesting exercise to explore, but I was just like, I won't even, yeah. we're, we're not going to go here. I don't even want to think about that. And if you want to talk about it for me, I'll talk about it all day, but totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, that, that really is the, uh, the dividing line between like what's healthy and what is really like a, a, a sick obsession is that like, yeah, you can talk about your own, but the idea that you're sort of, um, you're, you're practicing tragedy all the time when you think about like, I mean, as you, you know, you're a parent now, mm -hmm. you can't help but sometimes look at your child and instead of thinking this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, the first thought is, oh my God, what if something terrible happens? You yeah. know, and it's like, it's just built in our, our brains that like we ha we are rehearsing for this unnamed tragedy that is showing no signs of ever coming, but it, mm -hmm. you know that it surprises you and it doesn't matter how many times you play it out in your mind. When it happens, it's never going to be any easier no matter how much you practiced it, you know, you wasted your life practicing it. So um, I think that, you know, like you said, sort of focusing on, on your own and understanding your position in, in, the, in the universe uh, is, is very healthy, but trying to figure out what other people um, uh, you know, have coming to them is definitely, that's it, start, like a, it starts to step into like a very, yeah. like, I don't even want to yeah. discover yeah. that I'm having enough trouble here on my own. Um, right. what, uh, I wanted to talk to you about fear because mm -hmm. you like, you guys play a very kind of sort of loud, fast, you know, aggressive type of music. I mean, there's a lot of melody and there's a lot of like nuance to it, but it's an aggressive mm -hmm. form of music and you're, you know, you're up there, you know, Headbang. Like, yeah, head, <laughs> em, em, emitting, like emitting <laughs> pure energy out. Like you're, yeah. And was there, is there ever still fear? Do you ever feel afraid to go out there and, and just sort of put, you know, rip any veil off and say, no, I'm, I am going, I'm going, I'm going off. I'm, it's just yeah. going to come through me. Like, do you still um, have that or was that ever a problem for you? There was, there was never really any of that because it was always, um, that I felt that, um, it, it sounds strange, but I just felt like things like that are provided for, you know, and I really don't have a lot of experience with huge accidents happening at our shows. I mean, I, I think that everyone that comes to our shows is very responsible and very respectful to the other people. Um, there were never really any fights. So th that sort of thing didn't really. What about enter. just fear of performance, like fear well, of like vulnerability and like, am I going to go out there and suck? Is our band any good? Am I, is it, do these people even care that we're here? Like that sort of stuff. That yeah. That, in. that definitely has crept in. Um, and it's gone up to the second, you know, before the first note rings out, but it's just something that like when that starts, it's, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. Um, but there was a time, um, a few years ago in 2015 when we were over in, in Europe and, um, the shooting had just happened at the, at the um, Queens Eagles, in Paris. Yeah. Eagles. Eagles of yeah. 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 Um, and, and where were you guys? There, you guys were in England? We were something? in London. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. We were in London and we, we were going to Paris soon, not to play that venue, but we were, we were going there and all these rumors started swirling about like the reason they were targeted is because they're glorifying death and you know, this and that. And it's these uh, reactionary terrorist groups and nobody knew anything. And I, I was just like, I, this is silly. Like, let's get out. Like, we should just go home. Like, nobody mm -hmm. knows what's going to happen next. This might not be an isolated incident. Let's just go home. Uh, so we canceled the dates and went home. And that was really hard for me because I don't ever remember making a fear-based decision in our band. And that was strictly fear-based. It, You know, I could look back and, and defend it as logical and um, say that I just had an intuition about it. But it was I was fucking terrified. And you don't want to endanger anybody that's coming to the show. So we, we went home. Um, and uh, that still kind of weighs heavy on me because I don't know if it was the right decision. And I, I feel almost like ashamed of it, you know, that I did that. Um, but I just, I, it didn't feel right to me. So, um, that you was know, the only time I ever let myself to the fear. I also know that you guys have this like very sort of rabid insular community of fans that, you know, mm -hmm. you, you care about deeply 
and you're yeah. like you you communicate with very closely like a lot of bands there's sort of this far away thing but you guys have this accessibility to you that like yeah. the fans kind of feel like they know you right. they know the music because you're always communicating with them so i'm sure for you it's like there was some disappointment for those fans. And so you yeah. kind of, you feel a little bit of guilt about like, well, I left, we left because we were afraid, which is a yeah. totally reasonable emotion and a reasonable behavior. But you always feel like, did I let those people down a little bit by yes. not being there to, you know, yeah. perform for them. And that's a big thing for, for me just as a, uh, in, as a, in, in my lifestyle and, and everything, it's just, I, I just, don't like disappointing people and mm -hmm. it, it's it's led me to some unhealthy uh, perfectionism and um things like that but i it, it knowing that i've let someone down is just the ultimate like uh it's just so soul crushing for me personally so to know that uh, you know it wasn't just one show we canceled we canceled a whole bunch of shows we were supposed to go to iceland we didn't get to go to iceland we still never been to iceland so yeah that was really it took me a, a while to get over that and i don't even think i'm so fully over that but the good thing that came out of it was that um, I was, oh, this is when my wife started getting sick right before our daughter was born. So I was home for that. So maybe it was supposed to be that way, you know, so I could be home to, to sort of help her out through that. So who knows? Um, but yeah, that, that was really the only time I can remember being afraid to to go out there and, and give it my all. Yeah. When, um, where do you think that, that that fear of disappointing other people stems from? Where What do you think that is? like uh emanating from um i mean it's it's uh, i think it's a pretty um uh it's a pretty blanket statement to say that you know it's it's your parents fault everything <laughs> everything <laughs> yeah. that you dislike about yourself is your parents fault so yeah. <laughs> um but no I, I don't i don't really know it's just a i always had like this people pleaser mentality um and then sort of uh as i got older i realized well I, i'm it's like a, a a lifestyle submissive like i enjoy like ser serving and helping people you know um and that really is like a form of self-care so it was this um it, it, you know it was this really balanced uh interaction of of people enjoy being helped and i enjoy helping people and if playing music is helpful to them then that's what i that's my service you know mm -hmm. um so as i sort of um explored that a little bit um the submissive part became more important and more fulfilling and it's only gotten stronger as i've gotten older so you know yeah the um you know i i'm not again we can we don't have to shit on our parents but i i think that <laughs> that yes i think a lot of what emanate you know what what kind of comes out of you i'm using the word emanate a lot i don't know why that's um, okay. that's a good yeah, word it's a good word yeah <laughs> yeah um <laughs> Uh, I just have a Webster's dictionary next to me. It's on the, the <laughs> That's e page. That's yeah, the e. word of the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but at some point, you have to, and a lot of people never come to this realization. But you have to, you have to just be like, okay, I, I own this now. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've whatever happened happened, and now I own this. And granted, yeah. relationships with parents can be complicated and weird, even down the line. Yeah. Um, but this idea of like detaching from what maybe harmed you when you were younger and taking ownership and saying, okay, I'm going to kind of reparent myself or re um, condition myself to give myself the love or give myself the attention or give myself the care that I wasn't mm. given when I was younger for whatever reason, not to bl yeah. you know, blaming them. They're yeah. the, whatever they were modeling was modeled to them. And sure. So you, you have to kind of break that cycle. But I also relate to you in that there is this people pleasing, um, mentality that I, that I have that I think I still have to, it's a superpower, like being an amenable person who's agreeable and will, will look to find solutions where everyone can be sort of happy and placated is like, that's a skill. Being a diplomat is a skill and not, and not everyone can do that. And we need people like that, Yeah, but yeah. they're all, but those, those people and myself included, and I think you probably be consider yourself part of that group have trouble setting boundaries for themselves at the cost Absolutely. of their own well being. Absolutely. And, and yeah. I think that when it gets into that territory is when you have to start doing the work of like, okay, no, I have to really mm -hmm. attempt to, to draw boundaries and that may upset people, but if I yes. do it in a way that sort of explains to them why, and if they don't understand it, that's on them because I'm not yeah. being, and it might come across like I'm being a dick and, and right. maybe, maybe I am, maybe I'm not doing it the best way, but you have to sort of draw that 
boundary or else you just sort of find yourself getting kicked around for, you know, I used to always say to my wife, like, and I still say it sometimes, like, I feel like I'm just doing everything for everyone else all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, it's not as much anymore, but I always used to feel like I'm doing it for my boss or I'm doing it for my friends or I've got to go Uh here for this person or do this for that. And I didn't really want to, but I was just doing it out of like service. Yeah. Yeah. And And then it's a weird feeling. It is. And it gets especially confusing when there's no one around to serve because then you've uh, sort of matriculated your identity into the diplomacy aspect. You know what I mean? Like if there's a bunch of people arguing, you're just sort of being water and, you know, you're, you're, you're flowing between them and you're, you're using your skill to find a common ground. But when those people are not around you, then, then what are, what's the container that the water fills now? You know, now it's just, what is it? So Mm -hmm. There's almost it almost feels and this is how I feel like not being on tour. There's almost a, a, a real loss of identity because I, I don't have this sort of echolocation of this person needs this. That person needs that. I got to do this. I got to do that. That's and gone. Then at and night, and then at night you're doing the ultimate service, which is performing music, which is like right. the thing you do, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And now that I don't have that, not only do am I not, you know, do I not have what I've built for 20 some years, but I don't really know wh- who I am. You know, I mean, that sounds like a yeah. lot, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, and yeah. I don't mean to say that like dismissively, um, I, but I just don't. It, I'm finding out like, well, where are my boundaries? Because I've always sort of, they've been almost gelatinous in that I've been able to accommodate so many different people at the same time. But now that I'm standing by myself, where does that start and stop? Um, yeah. And that's a problem. And the other thing too that I found is when I wasn't setting those boundaries and I was people pleasing all the time. I was very apt to lash out and have mm-hmm. these like explosive bouts of frustration and anger, these like outbursts, yeah. you know, of just people be like, what the fuck? What is it? Why, right. why are you getting so upset about this, this thing that this person did? And I think part yeah. of it was, I was always like, well, I'm doing so much to try to ensure that I'm being respectful and kind to people and they're not mm-hmm. paying me that back. And I right. have this expectation that the world should treat me the way that I treat the world. And that mm-hmm. is an, that is not an expectation that you can, I mean, it's nice to hold that ideal, but it's not going to, you're going to just set yourself up for disappointment forever. If you just think that, well, I'm being nice and I'm, and I, I, why can't everyone else? It's like, because everyone else is going through awful stuff usually too. So you've got to just kind of hold your expectations a little lower to just be like, I'm going to do this because it makes me feel good, but I can't expect people to do the same. Right. Yeah. You definitely can't, um, you can't expect people to uh, behave the way you would have behaved. I mean, and it's it's unfair to everyone. You know what I mean? It's unfair yeah. to you because, you, like you said, you have these expectations. It's unfair to them too because they don't even know what your expectations of them are. You know, so the, if they don't say what you think they should have said in any given moment, and you lash out at them because you're lashing out over the principle that's been violated, not necessarily the the actual act of uh, uh, whatever it is they know, did consideration. Yeah. 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 You're lashing up because of the principle of, I expect you to do this in a way that I would have done that. You know, that really, it's so, it causes so much controversy in, in a, in a world that's, you know, on fucking eggshells as it is. So, so where, where are you finding like your comfort and your, uh, where are you trying to like find the locus of your identity during this and, and have you had any sort of breakthroughs or is it sort of a struggle? I mean, obviously the drinking is, is probably yeah, the, a, a symptom I, of like, I don't know. So let's just drink and yes, let, we'll push yeah. it. We'll keep kicking the can down the road. But now that Absolutely. you've stopped, now that you've stopped that, I assume that you're probably having some more clarity on that, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, um, I'm finding things that I, I like because I, I like them and I never really had time to explore them because of, of being on tour. Like, um, obviously being a, a, a father, an attentive father to a four-year-old girl is, is priority number one. Um, but I mean, there's just things that like, like bird watching. I started bird watching. I got binoculars <laughs> and I got a laugh Keith, now. Keith the know? birder. It's, I had no idea yeah. that I even liked Did you get stuff. your, uh, your, your Avalon? What is the, uh, the, the magazine that, that famous? Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I did not know. No, I didn't you didn't get that. that. No, no, you're, that's the next free step. App. Yeah, oh, okay. that'll be next. Uh, we went for a hike the other day. I didn't know I liked hiking. I mean, it was just amazing what I what I'm finding. You out strike about me as someone that li- would like hiking. That's so weird I, that you're like I didn't even know you. You always seem kind of down to do anything though. 
Yeah, I am. I mean, but I'm never like, okay, I'm, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to get the right kind of clothes on and I'm going to <laughs> right stretch. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to wear fucking boots and I'm not going to wear jeans, you know, black yeah. jeans when I'm walking down 600 stories. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's all these things. And now that I have the, this time and, and no expectation really is on me, there's no one needing me to really do anything except my, my wife and child, but we're all kind of in lockstep anyways. But mm-hmm. there's no outside uh, expectations and I'm finding things that I like doing and also I'm reminding myself of things I used to like doing you know just just reading quietly I haven't done that in so fucking long and I love Mm -hmm. it so much you know so yeah it's it's really uh it's an interesting time and I'm just trying to be thankful for it I mean it's it's so everything is so out of my control that there's no use fretting over it I I can't do anything about it so I just kind of got to micromanage myself you know yeah I think that um kind of what I hear with you saying that is like, I forgot that I was someone that likes to enjoy things other than what I'm used to enjoying. You right. Know? Exactly. And exactly. I, I, I kind of definitely feel that too of like, Oh yeah, I remember. I really like, I like hiking too. I mean, I do a mm-hmm. lot of hiking, but it was one of those things where I didn't hike for a really long time. And then like, I don't know, maybe two and a half years ago, I had a neighbor who was like, you know, had a young kid kind of same, same kind of mm-hmm. situation. He's like, Hey, do you like hiking? And I was like, Oh yeah, I used to so. I used to go hiking, and then we <laughs> yeah. like started hiking, like really hiking, like backpacking yeah. and going to national parks and like that's awesome overnights. And then I was like, oh, this is a whole different. This is a whole world that I've always loved that I just forgot about because I was busy chasing paychecks and jobs yeah. and stuff. Yeah. That I was like, that's not. You, you just get pointed in the wrong direction sometimes, and. Oh, totally. Occasionally, either a person comes in your life or there's a situation where you lose your job or you change your work or something like this where it's like you can't, you're literally legally bound to not do certain yeah. things. It's like, yeah. well, I got to find something to soothe myself. And and that's right. been a real challenge for me during this is like exercise has been a huge thing that I have that I realized like kind of in my mid-late 20s. Like if I'm not doing that, I'm not good, like mm-hmm. some form of exercise. And during at the early days of the pandemic, I like couldn't go to the gym was kind of just like was drinking too much, was sort of depressed. Yeah. And then I started yeah. to get into this bad place of like, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm doing well, like as far as like my job and stuff and seemingly, you know, me and my wife are getting along here, you know, here and there. Mm-hmm. It's OK. Yeah. But then you yeah. look back on it, you're like, oh, no, I was like hurting and looking for those those tools, those things. And now I, I feel like. Yeah. You know, I, I think everyone was struggling early on to be like, what is this going to look like? Who am I? Totally. I, think, I, I think that that people also identify so much with their work and to an extent you do as well. But yeah. people that have like corporate jobs or that are people of stature, like doctors and lawyers and these sorts of people, you know, they, they, they often put a lot of stock in this, this accomplishment, this thing they've reached. And when you can't do that, when you right. can't do that thing that, that, um, that sort of defines a huge part of your life. It's like, what are you left with? It's almost like people yeah. who were people who work their whole lives and then retire, you know, it's like, yeah, right. All right. So just lost. what am I going to, what am I do now? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like finding it's, hobbies, finding things that, that give you pleasure and enjoy and make you, right. Uh, that add value, they're additive to your life. that give you value, but yeah. they make you feel valuable and, and are that, uh, just give you enjoyment. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that one of the most important things that I've just kind of realized lately is that even being identity-less per se, it doesn't really even matter because no one's looking anymore. You know what I mean? Everyone is so focused on themselves, really. Yeah. That I'm not – there's no one to even put on a, an identity for. So, you know, once you realize that, that there's no performance anymore, you know, maybe social media. If you're very active on social media, there's still a bit of – it's performative. But I'm, yeah. I'm not as far as like posting videos or pictures or anything. Um, but uh, it, it's now become sort of what do I inherently – value like in myself you know mm-hmm. what what i've i've been told that i should value um you know my my writing or my you know stage presence you know things like that that you kind of get um commended on as you go through the music world that you find out okay people think i'm good at this so i'm gonna focus on that but now that nobody's commending anyone else it's like well now really what do i value and um uh, you know, I, I, I like still what do you don't commend? What do you know. commend in yourself? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I don't really know that yet. I mean, I, I think that I'm, um, I'm learning um, 
how to observe a lot better, if that yeah. makes sense. I think yeah, noticing no, smaller yeah. things a little that's bit really more. really good. About yeah. yourself, about your emotions, that sort of stuff, or just in yeah. general, everything? Everything, everything. Yeah. I mean, just, just general stuff like, you know, bring it back to bird watching. You know, what yeah. time of day these birds come around that are, you know, <laughs> of the same ilk, and, you know, who's, 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 what bird is what other bird's mates, and how many, you know, offspring do they have, and these things that I've never noticed. It's just the, the, the flowers that I have in my own fucking backyard I didn't even notice before. You, you, you literally know? stopped and smelled I, the flowers. I did. I yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's these strange things that I just completely took for granted, and I think I'm focusing a little more on the smaller things. Well, that's like, that's a huge, you know, then I guess the thing that you, you think is like, there's been huge growth opportunity throughout all of this, right? Mm -hmm. For some, I think there's a lot of people that, that may have missed are missing that. But I think that that most people that I've spoke to, spoken to on this podcast are like very much in in the same boat as, as you and I of like, this is actually, it's been painful and there's been very hard moments and there's been some lessons, but like. Ultimately, this is going to make me a better person and kind of raise raise my consciousness and raise my self-awareness in a way that is like you'll you now know about those birds like right right. forever. You know about forever. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's pretty interesting. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's I don't think it's a coincidence. You said it, it, it sort of elevates your consciousness. I mean, the consciousness of of the world is being elevated now. I mean, you know, you look at the, the yeah. civil unrest. I mean, it it feels like it's this very painful ch- transition period into what I don't know. But yeah. I mean, every birth is painful, you know, and uh-huh. nobody knows what comes next. And I really feel, you know, I, the, a part of me wants to say that, you know, every generation believes that they're the last generation, that the world is going to end with them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but it feels like this is a tipping point of something very, very important, uh, not yeah, just I, internally, uh, but, you know, outside, too. So I feel that as well. But I, I do think that it will be something beautiful. I think that there, will, there will be something good to come out of this. Yeah. And that, you know, yeah. history, history cycles, you know, we mm-hmm. we are part of nature, nature cycles. We can't expect our own uh, behavior to not be influenced by the the, na- the natural world around us and the cycles right. of the world. I mean, you look at ancient cultures, it was all about cyclical calendars and mm-hmm. things that they were finding. And that we've kind of lost touch with all of that. And we think like, you know, we only really know what it was like 100 to 150 years ago. We, I mean, we, we know, but like we think oh, we've never had a president who's this terrible. A lot of people yeah. will say that we've never had this. We never have like, look at American history. We've had we, there was a civil war. The <laughs> yeah. country yeah. literally was ripping yeah. itself apart at the seams. Yeah. And people people are going like, it's, there's going to be a civil war. And it's like potentially maybe, but like. Mm-hmm. We're, we're still pretty far away from that. People are pissed off. People yeah. are upset. There's, there's, you know, um, there's obviously a lot of, uh, you know, wealth inequality and these sorts of things and, and, and uh, racial inequality, gender inequality, all of these things that have existed for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But like history, you know, if you go back and you sort of read about uh, the union, it's been like a fucking nightmare for a lot for the people in the 60s Absolutely. thought things were going to fall apart, you know. Right. So, right. I think that we all think that, you know, this, uh, our suffering is unique, um, in that, you know, other generations haven't experienced it. It's like, of course, a world war two, are you kidding me? I mean, right, right, like right. the whole world was literally on the edge of, of existence. I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and to a certain extent, maybe we're always on that edge now, that's, you know, yeah, but, but at yeah. the same time, I do think like that awful thing that happened in Beirut with that huge explosion. I mean, mm-hmm. People are pissed at the government for allowing this to happen. Like this was an oversight and there wasn't much regulation placed on it. And like the whole entire government resigned because of this. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that's powerful. That's very, very powerful stuff. And granted, you know, uh, Lebanon's a small country, um, but Mm -hmm. you're seeing this unrest. You're seeing this raising of of holding people accountable all over, not just here in Europe. You're seeing it in South America. You're seeing it in Eastern Europe now with Belarus. They're contesting the election. Mm-hmm. Like this is the the you know the children of the universe being like, no, right. we want more for us. We want to watch birds. We don't yes, want to have yes. to work. We don't want to have yeah. to work in in you know cubicles our whole life and and be and be lied to and be fed literal crap right. by large corporations. We don't want and this anymore. You know. Do you think that maybe it was the pandemic that 
proved to sort of catalyze that. I mean, it's 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 very easy to say that this is a horror. I mean, it is a horrible pandemic. Obviously, yeah, it's, it's it unprecedented. It's yeah, but it, it was it necessary in order to make these changes where we realize that as we're sitting here isolated and um, sort of reviewing our, ourselves internally and realizing what we're worth, uh, is that making us uh, expect more? accountability from the people that are in charge i I absolutely think it is and i hate to say that there's a reason for all this stuff you know yeah we say the people that are in charge we're Mm. in charge right exactly we're the captive now like like, uh you know and i think that we they you know um power structures and governments um and people in general in power have a very uh have a knack and a gift for making the 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 masses feel powerless Mm-hmm. And um, and to a certain extent, like if you read the news about Trump, you know, shutting down the postal service or, or you know, mm-hmm. delaying mail or something. And if that's something that really upsets you as a person, some people it might not upset. I think it's fairly upsetting for me. It's like, why, yeah. why, why do this now? You know, right. Um, there are things you can do, like calling your senator or calling your congressman. And to what ex- to what, you know, to what mm-hmm. end that that helps? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I also think that, and I've talked about this on previous podcasts that like, yeah, that stuff's bad and we should be upset about that, but you should also mm-hmm. be pretty damn focused on the stuff that we're talking about of like coming yeah. to, to this, uh, realization that you have your own worth and that there's yes. a certain, certain value to us as individuals. And that collectively, if all of us feel this way, we can come together mm-hmm. and kind of rise up like, like many yeah. people are doing and be like, no, this is not right and we're not going to accept this right. and, and the pandemic i think has sort of shown that all of this is is built you know the foundation of this was you know built on a waterbed i mean it's just yeah, one th- totally. one thing happens and the whole global community sort of collapses yeah. yeah the yeah. capital is uh yeah and if there's no safeguards for people then you end up paying more in the long run anyway so why aren't we right. trying to help people when times are good and it just it's seems like it's, it's what we talked yeah. about more of like I want more hoarding, hoarding. We can't afford this. Whereas these people have, you know, I mean, Jeff Bezos has like a higher net worth than some GDP, you know, most GDP, like the GDP of some countries, you know, it's like, this is one individual. I I just can't believe like there is not, I I can't believe we haven't dragged him into the street yet. I mean, it's, it's (laughs) amazing. He is not, he's not helping anything. What what is he doing? What is he doing? Why are no, why is nobody pressing him? To help us, you know what I mean. He's just—he's just skating. He's just like—is he barricaded up in his mansion, and just just like putting dollar bills into like a fucking like warehouse, Scroo- I, like I don't Scrooge understand. McDuck? Yeah, just diving into gold tokens. It's just <laughs> insane. I don't, um, I don't it's... get it. And I, I think that one of the most upsetting things to me, though, throughout all of this, is seeing the people that um, are, are mocking the 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 individuals like us that want more and not just want more, but know that we deserve more, you know, the people as a, as a whole, even these assholes that are mocking us, everyone deserves more. You know, it's the bootlickers that when, you know, someone will say, okay, well we have $600, um, in unemployment a week. Uh, we should go back to that because we really need it. And then, you know, um, for some reason, someone needs to chime in on Twitter or on Facebook and be like, oh, what, what fantasy land are you living in? That's not how the government works. Like, no shit, that's not, not how the government works. That's a fucking problem. Yeah. Like, obviously, that's not how it works. That's not yeah. how it's been working, but nothing's been working. So it's these people that don't really value themselves that feel like no one else should value themselves either. That's that Yeah, I, think real- I, I, I do think it's a little strange when – people place so much stock in, in other people or their leaders and so little yeah. in themselves. Like it's crazy to think that Donald Trump has the answers or Joe Biden has the, an- right. or any of these guys. Like, do I think our country would be calmer with Joe Biden at the helm? Probably. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do I think Joe Biden answers all the questions and solves all the problems for this country? No, it's just no, the beginning right. of maybe settling down some of the inflammation and beginning to work on some of these larger issues. Yeah. But I think that people think it's it's very binary. It's like it's either Trump or it's mm-hmm. Biden. And mm-hmm. each one of those is the worst extreme that's ever happened to anyone ever. And it's like there's a middle ground to an extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that when you start placing so much stock in these people, and I think that people were guilty of doing this with Barack Obama too, who, who, you know, I didn't agree with everything that, that Obama, all of his policies, but as an individual, I respected him. I thought he was eloquent, very intelligent and like 
Just like Mm -hmm. he he was, I was proud to have him as my president because I thought this is a good representative for our country. This is a guy who, who is, is measured and, and, uh, and just like, like, I was like, okay. And, and, you know, and Bush as, as you're looking back on him now, you're like, I mean, that guy dragged us into wars and was, but like, shit, I'd take Bush. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he was just just incompetent. He wasn't actually crazy. Yeah, but like, yeah. And and I like, I I don't, I never put too much stock in these individuals as like saviors. Never, never. But a lot of people do. A lot of people are like, well, Barack Obama was like this scion, the greatest human being who ever lived. It's like, yeah, he's probably going to be remembered as one of the better presidents by historians Mm for for the way he carried himself and and some of the things he did. But I was never like Barack Obama's going to save me. George Bush is going to save right. me. Joe Biden's going to save me. But a lot of people in our country do feel on the left and the right that that these people are going to somehow save our country. It's mm-hmm. like no, that's not we. Right. It's our, you know, yeah, it's, it's our yeah. country. It's yeah. our it's our community. And right. whenever I see like you you know, I try not to watch it too much anymore, but like you'll see videos of of people getting aggressive with other people and like, you know, reddit or instagram mm-hmm. of like people like i don't want you're you're in my country and it's like mm-hmm. it's our country you know what i mean right. it's like there's this thing of what's mine and what's yours and it's like this like i said we're renting everything yeah. so we might as well yeah. make everything ours and and it's, i think yeah. it's okay to own a house and a car and all that it's sure. it's it's okay to have those things sure, sure. but yeah. like when it comes to being able to just give people a safety net or give them health insurance or supplement that cost with some mm-hmm. tax money, people are like, no fucking way. It's like, well, you right. end up paying, you end up paying for it all anyway. Look at what we're doing now. We're exactly. paying, we end up, we don't have enough money. It's like, apparently we do because we're just yeah. cutting checks to everyone. So how do you right. go back to going, oh no, we're not going to do that anymore. People are going to yeah. be like, no, you did it and nothing happened. Like, yeah. so can yeah. we keep doing that? Yeah, I mean, they're like funding a, a new FBI building for like a billion dollars right now. I mean, you know, there's people that can't even fucking eat right now. I mean, it's just... There's like a pending homeless crisis here. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that's really weird about it is like you wouldn't know it driving around. I mean, I live in, mm-hmm. you know, a major city. So, mm-hmm. and LA is a little bit of a hellscape in some places. And the homeless issue here has been a, a huge problem for a long time. And that's another issue for another day about yeah. homelessness. But, um, you know, you, you look at like, you know, me and my wife are looking to try to rent a, a house and like the rental market hasn't dropped. There's no, so you're really? like, where, so it's like, there's so much wealth in this country. Uh-huh. There's so much, um, you know, where, what are, what are people almost talking about? Like there's a depression coming. There's, there's all this. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I know there's a lot of people out of work, but you wouldn't know it almost. You yeah. look at the stock, like the stock market and all this, it's just rallying and you're like, what? this, none of this makes any sense. Yeah. It's such a weird, it's such, you can tell that it's all artificial yeah. um, systems that have been implemented that you've been told are these like precious things uh-huh. that we've created that work really well. And you're like, yeah. Well, they're not working well for a lot of people, I don't think. No, no, no. It's, yeah, it's so like, somebody described the stock market as a, a measure of uh, rich white people's happiness. Like, what mood are they in? It, that's, yeah. that's, that reflect, that's reflected in the stock market. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it doesn't reflect my, you know, my mood at all. I'm just kind of no. looking at it and going, why is this thing right. endlessly <laughs> expanding? Yeah. What in what in nature endlessly expands? Like right. everything collapses on itself, and there's death and rebirth, like we're talking about. Like, yeah. So this is a system that humans created that's of us and from us. Eventually, it has to collapse, but we keep like artificially inflating everything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we are so afraid of quote unquote death. Like we're yeah. so afraid of like, well, we got to save the, the banks. It's like, right. Well, why do we have to save the banks? Because then our economy will collapse. It's like, well, maybe that's what's supposed to happen because this isn't right. working. Yeah, I mean, capitalism and, is is being held together by duct tape right now, and it's yeah. you know, there's holes in it. It's it's leaking. Everyone can see it, but. You know, we just have the people that are benefiting from us, from it, just lying about it. You know, it's yeah. almost that what we're seeing is not what we're seeing. And it's just, I mean, it, it's, it really is remarkable to me that, 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 um, United States citizens have shown this much restraint considering oh, yeah. how much they have against go working against them. I, well, mean, I think the fact that, that there's not more yeah. riots happening is, is, I think it's coordinated it. because I think that we're so mad at each other. Mm-hmm. for all of these sort of social issues mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that we haven't really 
you know, um, placed our ire towards the people that are really responsible for it. Because the government, yeah. like I was saying, has, you know, people in power have a really, they're really good at, at making us fear the other, making right. us so fear immigrants or yeah. hating left wing or hating right wing and, mm-hmm. and um, getting upset about, you know, social issues and, and, um, and really like feeding off of uh, dog whistling racist racism yeah. and stuff that's important that you should get upset about. But it's almost like there's this uh, lack of understanding. It's like, no, they're fucking us. Yeah, they're yeah, not even yeah. they're not allowing us to have civil discussion because they're riling us all up. Right, right. And so I think Just that's part of the problem is that people are easily distracted. Getting back to what we were talking about before of like centering yourself and mm-hmm. you know that the world is a complicated and 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 uh, and sort of heavy place right now. People are on uh-huh. their phones, they're on social media, they're watching the news. And that stuff really, when it starts to kind of uh, move through you, puts you in like this this fear or, you know, uh, fear state of like this, yeah. like emotional, like it's proven to show that like these heightened states of fear and anxiety like affect your behavior. They affect yeah. your sleep, they affect what you eat, they affect if you're drinking too much, like all that stuff. And so it's yeah. it's all tied into this idea of, control through making us hate each other and so yeah. you're you know while we're, we're arguing about you know gender pronouns which is important mm-hmm. and we should of have course. those discussions mm-hmm. they're like literally robbing society blind yeah yeah and and i think that uh if we could just sort of it's like the enemy of my the enemy of my enemy is my friend it's sort yeah. of like well why don't we talk about all this later how about we mm-hmm. get these fucking crooks out of here and figure <laughs> yeah, out how yeah. we can like make this a country that works for everyone. And it's just right. like people don't even want to start to have that discussion, no. which is which is kind of disconcerting. Well, yeah, because it, it uproots everything that they built their identity on, you know, and, and that's it, so much, uh, I think, of the d- divisiveness and the unrest is a sunk cost fallacy of who am I? to um to myself who am i to my family who am i to my community to to change that um by listening to the argument of the other side is is really like it's almost like you're asking someone to change their religion i mean it's just something they have so much faith invested in they're not going to give up on it so it's not necessarily that they don't believe the other side or they don't believe the arguments they're hearing or they don't believe the scientists or they don't believe the facts it's that they're so deeply invested in who they are as a contrarian or as a Republican or things like that. They're, they're not willing to budge because they just can't give all that up so fast. Um, Which makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it takes courage and it takes growth and it takes understanding to be like, you know what? I think that I've fucked up or I think right. that I made a mistake. Uh-huh. I mean, there's people that I know that won't even admit that they make mistakes. Like they, they won't even Donald take responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that. And I think that, when you see that, if that's something that's that's been shown in your life and this this person has elevated to the highest office in the country and you go, mm-hmm. well, that person's like that and they're the president. So Never apologize. Obvious, yeah. yeah. So obviously that's sort right. of how people should be. So I don't blame I don't blame I can't blame people for being hypnotized. I can't blame no, them can't. for uh, and 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 I think and I think that's that's part of the problem of the left, the progressive left, and obviously the extreme left is like saying to these people, like, you're just fucking stupid. It's mm-hmm. like, no, they're not stupid. And I think people on the, ex- in the ex- in, on the extreme left and progressives also have drank a lot of Kool-Aid about mm-hmm. these people are going to fix everything and right. everything is going to be right. But like there is this middle ground that I was talking about earlier of like, can we all just talk? Can we just mm-hmm. like come together and right. relax and take a breath and talk about what's bothering us and come together on the fact that we're getting fucked from above, not yeah. we're not fucking yeah. each other. No, no. It's right. it's really it's it's a small percentage of people, really mm-hmm. in the world, who are continuing to do this to the masses. Yeah. And eventually, it's like I said, it's just not. It doesn't seem sustainable. Like it's conscious, not. like energetically, consciously, like we were talking about before. Like there's too many people that are waking up to this and going, like, right. I don't. I'm done. I'm fucking yeah. done with this, you know? Yeah. And that's the numbers. I mean, it's, it's once we start realizing that the numbers are in our favor, I mean, that's all you need. I mean, I, it just takes, you know, mobilizing those numbers, but yeah, uh, I, I definitely think that, um, people are, and, and the idea now that they're so, um, committed to their lifestyle and their identity that, they see even wearing a mask as some sort of um, yeah. indictment on their character. I mean, it's really getting to the, the pettiest, most uh, insane uh, levels of, of just sort of 
desperately grasping at some sort of identity. And I, and I mean, I, do, I, I don't agree, obviously do not agree with them. I wear a mask everywhere, but I get it in that now that they're so isolated. Yeah, um, there's even who, less. There's yeah, even who, less. What, what do they have to show? You know, I mean, it's kind of like when you used to go to school and like you'd get a new shirt and like when you're in elementary school and like you'd get like the brightest color neon shirt because you wanted everyone to see you and you want to like state your claim yeah. in your identity. You want to felt, you want to feel, it, yeah, you'd like you matter. Right, right, yeah. right. So this is the, them, you know, the idea of going out with a mask is, is just a way of saying, uh, you, now you know who I am. All, all based on this simple action of not wearing a mask, you know exactly who I am. And that's, that's they're making a statement about their identity. And it's unfortunate because that's, uh, you know, that's goes beyond capitalism and it goes beyond these sort of um, this pecking order in the hierarchy of politics. It goes into like the, the ego tripping and, you know, mm. which is just a part of all of that so it's really yeah. it's really unfortunate but it takes so much unlearning I mean, the interesting thing is we're talking about like history cycling if you go back and look for anti-mask 1918 there was people mm -hmm. that were anti-mask during for the sure. spanish flu and yeah. the spanish flu is way more deadly and killed way more people yeah and yeah. i mean would i think woodrow wilson was the president at the time i don't think he i i think i'm right on this he never even had a statement about it really yeah so it was all just a public health matter, yeah. but it was all still the same stuff of wear a mask because we think that that's going to help slow this thing yeah. down. And there are people just going, no fucking way. I'm not wearing a mask. Right. It's this yeah, is Woodrow this Wilson is have a Twitter account? How many, how many followers did Woodrow Wilson have? I mean, he would have been, he would have been doing really well. Uh, Woodrow. Um, yeah, Woody. Uh, but, uh, but so like, this is not new. And I think that that's yeah. something that we fail to understand of like, as someone who thinks like, yeah, I think if you wear a mask, if everyone wore a mask when they're out in public for the next six or eight months, probably this thing would be way less prominent. Yeah. And, and, and regardless of how deadly it is or how sick people are getting, I can't speak to that. I think that the media is definitely blowing up a lot of, you know, the, you know, there, there is fear mongering going on. But if you don't like what's happening just wear the mask for like six or eight months and it probably sure. won't be happening anymore. And that's, sure. that's kind of the thing that I would love to express to them. Like, I get it. I understand why you don't want to, but if mm -hmm. the more you don't, the more people get it, the longer yeah. this thing gets dragged out. Right. Um, right. And I almost think that, that that's, you know, that we don't have the right leadership to express that in a way mm -hmm. that's like, you want to wear a mask? You don't want a mask? Well, it doesn't matter. We're opening the schools. And it's just like yeah. every, it's just, it's chaos. And I think it that anytime there's chaos like that, um, it just leads to chaos very rarely falls into order. Oh, you have yeah. to, you have to sweep it up. You have to, yep. you have to kind of yeah. be the one to, to find the order in that and, and, and place things there. And, and it doesn't really feel like we're doing that in this country. And uh, it seems like other countries that took it seriously and, had the you know the right lockdowns are still having these these moments of of some flare-ups but it seems like they have it far under control and and everyone's on board with the messaging that's the other yeah. thing too is like trump is such an incredible salesman if he was on if he was just selling it mm -hmm. the way that he sold all the other things people would listen to him like well, hey it, just, yeah, wear, just make, make wear masks yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, honestly like everyone fine. would buy it. yeah fine yeah i mean and think i mean think about how easily he would have probably waltzed into re-election if he would have oh just oh my god yeah you know, now, I mean, I don't know if he wins or loses, but I do think that his path is obviously much harder now yeah, with everything yeah. that's gone on. But if he just was like, listened to his advisors and, and, mm -hmm. and adapted and yeah. kind of really, really led without without politicizing it or, or anything like that. I mean, shit. I mean, he would have gotten really re a lot of credit for it. Oh, and, for sure. Know, yeah. He squandered a, a really good opportunity. Yeah, there was, a, there was a really good political opportunity. It sucks to say that of him like, oh, we're going to spring into action and my administration's going to going to do mm -hmm. like what New Zealand did or what South Korea did. And we're going to we're going to squash this thing and we're going to be like the, you know, the the shining uh, castle on the hill. And it's like, yeah. we're the fucking we're in the <laughs> moat, man. I mean, we're, 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 one of, yeah. <laughs> we're one of the worst countries in the world for this thing. So, yeah, it's very interesting. I do think you you touched on earlier of like ego. Mm -hmm. I think that so like <laughs> the ego causes so many problems for all so of, for all, all of, of us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For yeah. all like it's just it's people just not realizing like their own like we talked about earlier, like the mortality. Like you're all you're renting everything. We're all mm -hmm. gonna die. 
Yeah. Why are we fighting about this shit? Right. Can we all just like. Can we all just get along? Can we all just get along? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. He was right. Remember how, yeah, remember how uh, I was thinking about that the other day? How, like, he said that and he was like crying as he said it, he really meant it. And the, and and people the make world fun of him. mocked him. Mocked yeah. him. How ironic. This guy Ugh. got got his head beaten in uh-huh. by police officers. Yeah. But let's, let's also admit that, that it, that, mm-hmm. that was, I don't know, shit, what was that, 30 years ago that happened? Yeah. Yeah. But, and um, still just almost beaten to death by police officers. He comes mm-hmm. out of it. Uh, can't we? Was it Reginald Denny who said that or was it Rodney King who said it? Rodney King. Reginald oh, Denny yeah. was the guy in the truck. I yeah. Think yeah. yeah. But he also had a pretty good message, I think, after if I remember. Whatever. Rodney King goes and says, cry. Yeah, he said, where's all... the beef? His was, yeah. where's the beef? I think well, that caught on. <laughs> was, it, was it really? Okay, good. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I know. Um, <laughs> But Rodney King says that you're right, and then gets mocked like endlessly. Yeah. It's like a yeah. thing. It's like a joke now, and it's like he really was like the worst thing happened to him. And his message to everyone was like, "This doesn't have to happen." And everyone's right. like, "Fuck you!" Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. Yeah, we need this to keep happening. Yeah, oh, it's disgusting. It's pretty it's bad. Yeah. Well, we've spoken for about an hour, Keith. We have. Is there anything? Yeah. Is there anything that uh, that you'd like to tell me? Uh, I I really miss you. Um, I know I miss I you really too, buddy. Miss our, I really miss our project and and all the yeah. collaborations we did. Um, I know. I hope that I hope that resumes someday. But you yeah, know. I mean, once this is over, you got to come back out here and uh, and we'll get together again and we'll think of more stuff. Um, sure. Did you guys like, record? Did you guys record it? You could record an album during this, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. we recorded. We finished the week before Buffalo went into lockdown, so we finished. Oh, it that's in, good timing. And, yeah, we finished at the end of February, uh, so we're just sitting on it. But we're not going to release it until we can tour because there's no point in doing that. Yeah. You know, if we can't promote it, we're not just going to throw it into the furnace of other releases and it's going to get lost in the mix. So we're going to wait till we can actually tour on it. You, do you? What do you miss the most about touring? Um, I think just the. the I mean, obviously performance, but like. Uh, that's honestly not even yeah. the most. The, the thing I miss most, I think the thing I miss most is just the, the constant changing of of yeah. routines and just adapting to a new thing every day learning how to adapt it, it makes you feel like you're like a survivor man like okay uh-huh. I, this these are my conditions these are my environments i have to learn what i'm going to do when i'm going to do it and i like that it gave me you know like i said it gave me like a purpose of like okay yeah. i have this much time to do this and um it was very regimented so i kind of missed that i i have a very hard time relaxing um so uh-huh. i i i'm sort of um, understanding that a little bit more and trying to figure out how I can just sort of calm down. But I, yeah. I miss like having a routine that changes. Get out, get out there in nature and watch those birds. I'm gonna go man. fucking. Well, I am gonna watch some birds because yeah. it's three forty-one, which means the uh, female cardinal is gonna come around pretty soon. I don't want to. I don't want to keep you from the female cardinal. <laughs> Thank you. I don't want to get in your way. Yeah, she's great. Great looking yeah. bird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, this was awesome, man. I really yeah, appreciate man. you taking the time to talk to me. And, and of course. Uh, I think we covered some really interesting stuff. I mean, we just got right off the bat into alcoholism, which is, Great. you know, yeah. why not? Let's get it's in content. there. Yeah, let's, yeah. Get, let's get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really appreciate it. And, and uh, course, I miss you. And miss uh, too, I look forward to hearing that new album, man. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you All soon. Right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Later on. Bye. That was the great Keith Buckley. Always a good time chatting with him. If you want to check out Keith's band Every Time I Die or you aren't familiar with their music, I would start by going on YouTube and watching the video for their song Map Change, one of my favorite songs of theirs and a really great video. I think it's always refreshing to speak with people who aren't afraid to tell you how they feel, what they're struggling with, and how they're coping with any issues in their lives. I think many of us have been programmed to create some shiny veneer in our lives, like things are pristine and we have no cares at all. The truth is that we are all struggling in our own way, doing our best to figure things out. A friend of mine uh, in a conversation recently reminded me of a quote from the great Ram Das: we are all just walking each other home. Thank you for listening. Hope to have you back soon. Be safe, be well. Give yourself the gift of some well-earned rest. This just is.